everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's Monday night, and this is Jen Springer, Young Living Platinum. And I've been with the company since 2001. And I remember, you know, working in my corporate job, and I remember driving to work one day and thinking, universe, God, whoever's out there, send me something that I can do for a living that doesn't feel like work, something I'll never tire of, something I can help people and make a difference in their lives. And to this day, I get so excited about Young Living. It doesn't matter whether it's I'm just sharing an oil with somebody or talking to a practitioner or even just giving somebody an oil to help them with their pet. I did that the other day. There was a lady who has a dog that was having some severe blood sugar issues, and I said, you know, are you willing to try something out of the box? And she said, at this point, I'm desperate to do anything. And I said, here, try this. You know, and, and it just gets me excited because we don't realize the impact we have on other people or other, you know, beings like animals and plants and things like that with what we do with Young Living. And, of course, you know, we've got the gift of the product, but we also have the gift of the opportunity that Young Living offers us, which can help liberate people in their lives to have the time to do the things that they love versus doing things they need to do to pay bills. And a lot of people do things they love to pay their bills, but maybe they'd like more flexibility or have a, you know, a plan B backup for income or whatever. So, you know, we just have these major gifts with Young Living. And so we're coming into the biggest season of the year. And many of you have already seen it in your volume this month. It's the fall climb. I'm already seeing it big time, big time, big time. So what should you be doing right now? Like, like this time of year? Well, book as many events as possible, online, in-home, workshops, coffee, one-on-ones, however you grow your business, now is the time to go ballistic. You know, if you just sit back and relax, your volume will naturally climb over the next few months. But if you go ballistic, you're going to see volume explosion like you've never seen. So put the pedal to the metal and really drive it for this fall so that you can maybe even skip your goal rank and go to the next rank. So duplicate this with your teams. Get with your top people, okay? Tell them what I just told you. Maybe make a contest or a little race, you know, little, you know, a little bit of competitiveness to go between each other so that you can uh, create a dynamic that's kind of, um, how do you want to say, uh, friendly competition, right? <laughs> Tell them what I just told you. Get them going, whatever works for your teammates, encourage them, watch what they do, check in on them, and they will thrive with the guidance and feedback that you give them, okay? So recognize their small achievements and, of course, their big achievements, but those recognizing those small achievements are really important. So there you go, guys. That's your coaching for this week. So I've mentioned the last couple of weeks we've got the ULA guys coming to Fargo here in October on the 11th. So we've had quite a few registrations, people coming in from all over the place. And so if you want to know about that, um, if you're in Minneapolis, you know, or at the three hours radius of Fargo, you could be up even in Winnipeg, Canada, come to this event. We're going to have business training and product training in the morning. And then at 2.30, we're going to have the ULA guys. So for that information, go to FargoSuperSaturday.com. And you can find the registration for that, okay? It's FargoSuperSaturday.com. All right. So the specials this month are 190 PV gets you a 5-mil bottle of Raven, and you get a 10-pack of lavender, peppermint, and thieves. So those are little sample-slash-travel packs that you can either tuck in your wallet or your purse, or you can gift those out for people to try the oils, Okay. So the 250 PV, you get those oils plus a $20 enrollment voucher for somebody that, you know, you'd like to help come into the company. And then for the 300 PV, you get all of that plus a 14-pack of the Ninja Nitro. So, all right, so tonight is our weekly Monday call. It will last about 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. depends on where we go. Keep it short, sweet, back to the evening. And if you're new to this call, which I know there are some newbies here tonight, and you want to hear the previous recordings, which we've had the most unbelievably awesome, awesome people on. Even recently, last week, like Lori Mills Gordon, holy smokes, Whew, that was a good call. So go to OurSimpleTraining.com. 
You can find the previous recordings, and you can also get on the email list there. All right, so tonight we have Ben Perkis. He is a board-certified psychologist in New York State. He's been practicing for 16 years. And if I think back, you know, I'm like, wow, I, I, when I met Ben, he'd been, you know, he, uh, he'd not been practicing that long because I've known Ben and Elaine for a long time. And he does mostly marriage, adult, and child ADD, ADHD, you know, stuff. And uh, in the beginning of his career, he did some EMDR and energy psychology, you know, trauma work right out of school. And that's what kind of led him even to what he's going to be talking about today. And so when oils came along, he learned how to replace, you know, tapping and things like that. If you've done some of those other, you know, things with that type of healing work, you know, with the emotional and mental type of uh, work. And so Ben and Elaine are golden young living and they're working their way back to platinum because the comp plan changed and you know, how sometimes that goes. But they're, they're going to be gold, so I mean platinum very soon. And uh, they're just rocking it with, you know, their business and uh, just moving forward with that. But, okay, Ben, welcome to the call. And I'm very excited that you're here because you do some very, very interesting work with the oils when it comes to the psychology perspective. Oh, yeah. So thank you, Janet. I've always, I've enjoyed your calls. We we tune in every week and, um, we just love to hear everything you're doing here. You get such an interesting lineup, and I'm happy to be here to share with you a few tidbits that might help some folks tonight. Awesome. Yes, for sure. So, so uh, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you start. No, I was going to say, you know, from your perspective and all of your training, um, you've taken that traditional type of, you know, education of what a psychologist does. You know, you're, you've got your doctorate. And you've brought in the essential oils with that trauma work. Do you want to share with everybody kind of, you know, what that means, you know, to, to us, you know, that you actually have the oils to our disposal? Sure, absolutely. So when I graduated and got my degree, like most psychologists, you know, I was trained to do talk therapy. And it really didn't take me too long in private practice to realize that talk therapy only goes so far and that something was needed to kind of go deeper into the, the body, into the brain, and at around that time, the late 90s, EMDR had come out, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. And for those of us who could really see its potential, we saw that it was really getting results with people, you know, vets who had been having PTSD for 20, 30, 40 years, and doing the eye movements was really moving stuff along. It was moving the flashbacks and the nightmares through. So I got excited about that, and I went and got the training in the first two levels of EMDR, and was integrating that in my practice, and, and I was seeing some good results. And then at about that time also was when EFT, the tapping, started to become more popular. I learned that. And everything I learned, I would always integrate to my, you know, what I had been learning all along. And I found that it really was critical to find some way, some access, whether it's through the acupuncture meridians like EFT or through the, the brain hemisphere communication like EMDR, some way to really take people through a process of, of, of integration that included the body as well as just talking. And um, and my wife and I, we started using essential oils in 2001. And it was really about, I don't know what year it might have been, 04, 05. Uh, and I actually learned a technique for trauma from Dr. Sabina DeVita up in Canada. Uh, and she, wonderful psychologist and integrative thinker that she is, uh, she showed us this little technique with the trauma life oil that um, as soon as I saw that technique, something clicked in me because it built on everything that I had been learning through EMDR and, and all the preparatory phases and how to get the best results from it. So I started using that technique and refining it over the years. And what I found was that it seemed like when people would use this technique, which I'm going to teach you tonight, People would use this technique, and they were getting results even more quickly than they would with EMDR, and they seemed to be more gentle and more um, more thorough, and they would last longer. So I became very excited at that because uh, one of the things with trauma therapy, one of the big challenges, of course, is when people are traumatized, they don't really want to deal with it. I mean, they don't want to have the symptoms, but they're scared, and they're always asking the therapist, you know, do I have to go back and relive that? Do I have to go back and relive that assault or relive that that um, 
car accident. And so that's been a big debate in the field, actually, whether a person needs to go back and relive it. And some people will say, well, they've been traumatized once. They don't need to be traumatized again. The other side would say, well, you have to go back through it over and over and, 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 and just relax into it so that it no longer bothers you. And uh, frankly, what I found with the essential oils is it, it kind of does neither of those. It just takes a person from where they are, and it just it just soothes and, and mellows and integrates the um, the experience of the traumatic memory, and and it leaves people very often in a in a surprisingly relaxed place. Now, sometimes when we do trauma work, one trauma can trigger. Another, one memory, for instance, as you process one memory, it might trigger another memory. So, you know, it, it's not to say that it's a one-shot deal by any means. It all depends on the, the nature of the of the trauma. But um, this technique, um, and then my you know, refinement of it, I included a few other oils as well. Um, I was really uh, delighted to be able to go to Japan to teach this technique back in 2011. And that was just a blast to, to uh, you know, speaking through a translator and everything. And, you know, but it's a universal sense of the universal language because it's a universal language because um, they just responded so beautifully to it. So I found, you know, everywhere I go, it just works really well. So how are memories stored in the brain? You know, regular memories versus traumatic memories. What's the difference? Okay, great question. So basically, you know, think of when you have a memory, say, for instance, you're at your house doing some paperwork, playing with the kids, whatever. That night when you go to sleep, your brain files those memories away. You could think of it like you have these storage files, and they may have a file under kids, a file under home, and you kind of just store those those memories away into your kind of your long-term memory. And, you know, we pretty much, there's agreement that that's what occurs, that there's this kind of consolidation that occurs during REM sleep, especially. Um, now, what happens, suppose instead of a regular day at home, your house caught on fire, and you, you, or you came home and your house was burning, and all of a sudden, the five alarm fire, and you're scrambling to you know, survive, make sure your kids are okay, make sure your pets are okay, and it's just a total freak out. And, but you do survive, and that night, you know, you're in your hotel room, you're, you're laying down to sleep, and it's so overwhelming, it's so big, you try to process that memory and it's just there's no folder for it. It's too big to go in the home folder, too big to go in the kids folder or the pets folder. So um, what happens is it stays in the amygdala. It stays in the part of the brain, the amygdala is the part of the brain that, um, that tells us whether to go into fight and flight or not, tells us whether we're in danger or not. And instead of the memory going from the amygdala through the hippocampus to the long-term memory storage, it just stays in the amygdala circling around and around. That's why people who've been traumatized will say that it feels like it's still happening. You know, that's kind of the definition of a flashback. When someone has a flashback, it's not just like a memory. It just feels like it's still happening. And even people who um, aren't getting flashbacks, and I want to speak a little bit about the, the ranges of trauma because we're not just talking about traumatic events like, uh, you know, in a war or, you know, something that was life and death, but even anything that could be traumatic, you know, a loss, a, a divorce, a, um, you know, a, a business failure, anything that could be traumatic, um, a bad decision, you know, these can leave a person reeling and just thinking about these things over and over. And, uh, so um, I wanted to talk also about some of the um, some of the different symptoms of trauma because there's a quote uh, that says that trauma survivors have symptoms instead of memories. You know they don't have normal memories the way you would think of a memory. Uh, they might have a traumatic memory, a highly charged memory, or they have symptoms. And let me just read to you a little list of uh, some of the symptoms of trauma: um, depression, irritability loss of interest, numbing, decreased concentration, insomnia, emotional overwhelm, loss of a sense of the future, hopelessness, shame and worthlessness, little or no memories, nightmares, flashbacks, hypervigilance, mistrust, 
generalized anxiety, panic attacks, chronic pain, headaches, substance abuse, eating disorders, feeling unreal or out of body, self-destructive behavior, loss of the sense of who I am. All of these things could stem from trauma. Wow. (laughs) And a trauma can be, like you said, it could be something as big as, you know, your house burning down, or it could be, like you said, I caught what you said about it could be something just like a bad decision that led to some serious repercussions in your perception, isn't it? It's what you perceive, not necessarily what the actual event was, correct? Well, absolutely. And really, you know, it's and one of the principles in psychology is that it, what matters isn't so much what happened, but what we make out of what happened. And that's, you know, that, that's absolutely true with trauma. And I find that generally speaking, the one emotion above all others that keeps someone stuck in a traumatic memory is guilt. Guilt is something that it's like as if saying, if I, I can't let go of blaming myself, uh, if I let go of this trauma, then I would be somehow saying it was okay that it happened. And so, you know, and this is, you see this all the time, and rape survivors will question themselves and, you know, did I deserve it or did I do something to bring it on? Children who've been abused have been traumatized very, very frequently will blame themselves. They say, well, it must have been something I did or who I was. Um, I remember one person who was holding on to this, was having this traumatic memory of um, he had been in a car accident in which it was a head-on collision in which the other person was killed. And that person, I think, had fallen asleep at the wheel and had drifted into his lane as a head-on collision. And he remembers, you know, seeing the look on the face of the person as he was crashing into his windshield, just a horrible horrible memory. And you can imagine that, you know, just going on and on. And, and um, as we were doing the processing, you know, and, and he was processing through this, something clicked in him and he realized that it wasn't his fault. And mm. once he realized that, that was a key piece of the letting go process. And, um, you know, even uh, people who um, work with um, you know, even people who commit crimes and people who are abusers themselves can be traumatized by what they've done. Um, I heard a story, this wasn't a personal client, but um, a story of someone who was working in a, in a clinic where there was, um, they were working with, with people out of prisons, people who had committed crimes, and uh, whether, you know, rapes and murders and things like that. And uh, they had started doing EMDR in that, um, in that clinic. And what got this one psychologist interested in it, he he heard in the in the room over, you know, someone, um, you know, people who had committed murders and rapes, they were crying, they were sobbing, and they were they were shifting through their trauma work, through as they released their traumas, they were connecting with their humanity and it was shifting them and really changing their personalities. And he said, Wow, I've got to get into this. So um, I want to go over, um, these are some of, the, some of the pieces that I touch on when I do my, uh, my live classes, uh, my workshops on this sort of thing. Uh, the, the VA, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, says that there are four types of PTS symptom, PTSD symptoms. Uh, there's reliving the event, also called re-experiencing symptoms. There's avoiding situations that remind you of the event negative changes in beliefs and feelings, and feeling keyed up, also called hyperarousal. So, so the reliving of the event, that's what, you know, is commonly called a, um, a flashback. It could also be a nightmare. Um, and you can also see, hear, or smell something that causes you to relive it, and that's called the trigger. So a person might, uh, <clears throat> for instance, you know, the classic one is the, the vet who hears a car backfire, and all of a sudden it reminds them of being in, you know, in the war. So there can be those triggers. Um, avoidance is very, very common. Uh, very common for people who have been traumatized to avoid situations or people that trigger the memories of the traumatic event and even avoid talking or thinking about it. Uh, sometimes people will avoid crowds because they feel dangerous. Uh, they could avoid driving if they were in a car accident. Um, if you're in an earthquake, you might avoid watching movies about earthquakes. Or some people get very busy in order to um, 
not have to think about it. And lots of people avoid seeking help because that way they think they don't have to think or talk about it. So this is one of the challenges is to help people feel confident that they that they could deal with these issues. And uh, because even talking about it can bring anxiety. So a lot of people never get their trauma work done for that reason because they just, you know, they don't want to, it's too painful to think about it now. So they need to help to be help to see that they can, that it gets better, that it can get better and can get better quickly. You know, the advances that have come in trauma work over the last 20, 30 years have been remarkable. And if people have been, you know, avoiding it because they just don't want to talk about it, you know, um, we can do so much more now with the oils and this other, this new understanding. Um, so that's avoidance. Um, Negative changes in beliefs and feelings, the way, you about, the way you think about yourself and others can change because of the trauma. For instance, you might not have positive or loving feelings towards other people. You might stay away from relationships. <clears throat> you might forget about parts of the traumatic event or not be able to talk about them. You might just move into total distrust and think the world is completely dangerous and no one can be trusted. Um, there's also hyperarousal. So this is being keyed up, uh, jittery, always alert, on the lookout for danger. You might suddenly become angry or irritable. Um, and this, of course, can lead to hard time sleeping. Uh, as you know, we, we saw uh, the master sergeant who was speaking at the convention this year talked about the vets who just, they just wouldn't sleep. And they just couldn't sleep. Um, trouble concentrating, you know, quick startle response, or maybe, uh, you know, wanting to have your back to a wall in a restaurant or a waiting room. So those are some of those some of those symptoms. Uh, another saying: We remember trauma less in words and more with our feelings and our bodies. And uh, Bessel van der Kolk did some research with brain scans of people remembering traumatic events. It's very interesting what happens in the brain when um, when you're remembering something versus when you're remembering a traumatic event. And the research showed that when we remember a traumatic event, memory centers in the frontal lobe shut down, and we get overwhelmed by feelings and impulses or driven to action. So the frontal lobes, this is the part of the brain that is responsible for focus and concentration, and it's also the part that helps us to inhibit impulses. So we see, of course, with the kids and adults with ADD, very often they have um, low energy in their frontal cortex, so they're not able to inhibit their impulse to talk or to move around, um, and they can't force their brain to focus on something that's not interesting to them. They can focus on interesting things, but um, to focus on boring things you know, requires a, a frontal lobe that's activated. So when people remember traumatic events, their frontal lobe shuts down, which means their brain is shifting more to a survival response rather than a calm, focused learning response. So the limbic system, which is the emotional response, the response to memories with increased activity, especially in the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is the brain's, um, as I mentioned, it's the part of the brain that is its only job is to sense danger. It's called the amygdala because it's a little almond-shaped structure fairly deep in the brain. Its only job is to monitor all of the sensory inputs coming in and if there's danger, it's the one that pulls the fire alarm. It pulls the fire alarm for survival. And that triggers us into the well-known fight or flight response. We're either going to fight if there's somebody to fight. Maybe there's an intruder or a combatant to fight. Or we're going to run like heck. And we're going to get away if we can. So, um, and then the reptilian brain reacts instinctively to the amygdala's alarm. So this is down in the brainstem. So the heart rate increases, we stop breathing or hyperventilate, muscles tense. So all these things happen, and we can see it with the brain scans now, when people remember a traumatic, uh, when people are remembering a traumatic incident. So um, this is kind of what you're picturing now. You're picturing um, something traumatic occurring, and it, it's it's a on some level of perception of danger, whether it's life-threatening danger, or it could be a feeling of danger even like, say, say a child, you know, experiencing their parent's divorce. Well, to the child, they don't know, you know, losing their house, losing their family, it, it can be very traumatic, you know, and they're going to be triggered many times into all of these types of symptoms. 
Now, if there was a specific event that kind of just sticks right in their mind very vividly, you know, then you have one of these <clears throat> kind of rogue memories, I'll call it, that is just staying active, it's just spinning around in the amygdala, and every time they go to sleep, it can't process. It's too big to process. They, they have no words for it. They have no folder to put it into. So because it can't process, it just stays right there and is, um, um, keeps triggering those feelings of alarm, of danger, of threat. So that's the situation that we're coming to you know, with our oils here. And um, so what I want to do is I want to teach uh, the technique that I, um, you know, pulled in from various different sources and uh, have integrated. And, um, you know, people can just can write it down. It's, it, it's fairly simple. Um, what I suggest is, you know, people can just write down the, write down the steps and then um, it's perfectly safe to try at home. Uh, sometimes people get spooked about traumatic things, painful memories. Uh, now, if you have a friend there, someone there to help you, that's great. Someone to hold the space, that's perfectly good. Um, you know, generally, I suggest, you know, start with, say, a 5 out of 10 as far as if you have traumatic stuff that you're processing. You know, start with the one that's not the most intense, um, you know, and then once that you build up your confidence, you can go from there. Um, but, oh, before I do that, there's just one really, really kind of neat concept and study that I found that really shows why it is that essential oils are so powerful for this. So um, there's a study done in Pakistan. Um, it was on the effect of rose oil on um, amygdala electrical kindling seizures in, in rats. So what they did in this study is they, um, they used uh, stimulation and they would stimulate the rat's brain until, uh, until they get this little seizure in the amygdala. It's a very specific little spark, I guess, that occurs, a little seizure. And what they wanted to see was, um, so they had three groups, one group, the control group, and they wanted to see how much stimulation would it take to get that amygdala to seize up. And then they took these other two groups and they gave them varying amounts of rose oil. They injected it, so they weren't even smelling it. They were injecting the rose oil into their body. And then what they found was that the rose oil seemed to protect the amygdala from seizing. And it means that it, it took longer for it to start to seize, and when it did seize, it didn't last very long. So the conclusion they drew was that the rose oil seems to help downregulate the amygdala. It seems to stop it from freaking out. And of course, that's the whole key with trauma is when the amygdala is freaked out, that's why we're getting all these symptoms. That's why we're getting this, this recurrence. So I thought that was a great study to show, um, show how this process works. And of course, we have lots of oils that um, we use. I mean, we have now, we have the whole new freedom release and freedom sleep kit. And uh, we have those kits, but to be honest, I have not played with them much because I'm kind of waiting for them to come back in stock so that, um, you know, if we do discover some things about them, you know, that they're really great, you know, people can get them. So um, I use um, the first oil that we use. You can write down the three oils in this technique. The first is an oil called Trauma Life. Now, Trauma Life is one of these, a lot of people don't even know about this oil, but it is a beautiful oil. It has a very kind of sweet smell to it, um, and uh, it's been around for years, and it's designed for exactly this purpose. Um, that's the first oil we're going to use. The next oil is inner child, and then the third oil is believe oil. So here's how it works. We need to think of a traumatic memory that's being stored in what I call a memory bundle. So the bundle it consists of several things together. So let's take, for instance, imagine a person, they, they come home and they see their house is on fire, or they wake up and their house is on fire. And so this memory bundle consists of the image. So there might be a startling image. It might be when they first turned the corner and saw the flames, or they first woke up, or maybe when they first smelled the smoke, whatever it was that triggered that alarm. That's the image, the image that's haunting them, that's sticking with them. And then the next thing we do is we ask, okay, so as you picture that image, 
what uh, do you feel? What are the negative feelings that you have when you picture the image? And, you know, people might say, I feel terrified, I feel, um, depending on the trauma, I feel disgusted, I feel um, sad, I feel rageful, whatever it is. In this case, we'll say terror. Okay, then we say, where do you feel that in your body? And this is a critical question to ask because so many of us are just walking around in our heads. We don't even know what our body's feeling. And we kind of do that on purpose in this culture because, you know, if you ignore your body, if you ignore uh, really feeling how you're feeling, you know, you'll be more productive. You can get on with your day. You can get on with your life. You know, in this culture, lots of times feelings are seen as just kind of interfering in the way. So by anchoring it in the body and asking, what do you feel in your body? Um, and where do you feel it in your body? The person in this case might say, I feel my heart pounding. So, okay, so they, they see the flames, they feel terror, they, they notice their heart's pounding. And then I say, are any other sensations you're aware of? Because sometimes a traumatic incident is like a photographic memory. It's like a snapshot of um, everything that was going on. And so they might say, yeah, I, I could feel the heat, you know, on my on my chest as I was looking at the flames, or I could smell the smoke, or I you know, heard the sound of my dog barking. So you have them tuning in to this. Um, and, um, and you also ask, um, are there any negative thoughts that are going through your head when you think of this? And this is where you're going to pick up things like guilt, things like um, a thought process like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I remember... Um, when I was 20, I was painting a roof, a barn roof, and uh, the ladder that I was on got disconnected from the barn. I fell off the roof. And, you know, when you're painting a, a roof, it's always in the back of your mind that you might fall. So when I fell, I had the ladder in my hand. I was falling. I, I didn't remember at the moment, but later when I was processing that memory, it was very distinct. There was the thought, I'm going to die. It was, it was right there. And so you want to try to capture what was the thought process that was going through your head, you know, as you picture this. Um, another way to think of this, um, kind of a good analogy, is think of it like your computer. And you have these things that are stored on your hard drive. You have this memory of the fire and the terror and the heart pounding. And what you're doing is you're pulling all those things off the hard drive up onto your screen. So think of it that way. You're kind of asking these questions to draw the person or yourself, getting all those things together, the image, the feeling, the thoughts, the other sensations. Okay, that's the setup. Once you have the setup, it's super easy. You just take out your trauma life oil. You put one drop is all it takes. One drop in your hands, rub them together, and now you hold your hands. And Dr. DeVita taught us this piece of it, which I really thought was helpful. It's a very gentle process. You start with your hands way down on your lap, and then you're slowly bringing your hands up to your nose. And as you do that, you close your eyes, you're bringing your hands up to your nose, take a few seconds, and you're just breathing in that sweet oil. And you just intend that you're breathing it into that image and into those feelings in your body. And you just hold your hands cupped at your nose for usually it's, you know, 15, 30 seconds, a minute, Sometimes it's not very long, really. And what tends to happen more times than not is a person will say, I felt like the image just blurred and disappeared. Something like that is what they will say. And sometimes they'll breathe a sigh of relief and they'll feel a sense of calm. And, and then I would ask them, you know, how do you feel in your body now? What do you notice? Um, sometimes, you know, your person might want to go back to it. You know, in EMDR, they will do things like... Um, have them rate this, how, you know, from zero to 10, how upsetting is it when you start? Okay, maybe it was a 10 when you started. What is it now? Well, maybe it's down to a four. Okay. And you might do another round of it to get it even lower. Um, with the oil, it, well, this is what really got my attention because with the EMDR, we would do, we would keep doing rounds of eye movements until the number got down to a zero or one. And with the oil, I found many times it would go to a zero the very first time. It blew me away. It just went right down. Now, sometimes what will happen is 
they'll kind of, you know, be thinking or feeling or, or they realize there's maybe another piece of the puzzle that they need to focus on. So maybe they focus on the image of the flames, and that kind of died down, but now they're kind of remembering what it was like when they, you know, told their wife what happened. And then they kind of got reactivated because she was so upset. And so then you do the same exact thing. What do you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? Breathe the oil. Breathe into that. So you just kind of keep going back until the person feels, you know, that they've pretty much, pretty much processed that. And um, so that's so that's your trauma life. And then, um, with, then that can stand on its own as a technique with no other oils, very powerfully. But I found that, um, especially if it was a um, anything to do with childhood, it's really good to use the inner child oil. So the inner child, you know, it just kind of awakens a sense of sweetness and innocence. And um, so the way I have people do that is have them put the drop of inner child in their hands, uh, then maybe put one hand on their belly and one hand smelling it. And anytime you're connecting to your umbilical cord, you're kind of connecting to that inner child, younger part of you. And then I'll have people um, think of a happy childhood memory. You know, they want to anchor in a positive feeling or if they can't think of any happy childhood memories, which some people can't, you know, they can think of a memory that they wish was happy and imagine it happy. And that seems to work. And that helps to kind of connect people just to move the processing along. And then we go to the third oil, which is believe. And this really helps to provide feelings of strength and faith. And it really allows people to move forward with confidence. So this one will have people, again, a couple drops in the hand, put it in the back of their neck, and smell it. And um, I just have asked people to, at this point to choose to believe in themselves, you know, and to get an image of reconnection, you know, an image of healing, depending on what the trauma was, whatever whatever it would look like to move beyond that trauma into a positive, you know, sense with the community or the world. And, um, you know, this these three together kind of kind of rounds it out and provides a kind of a complete uh, sequence. And you know, part of what I'm describing is, you know, a little bit formalized. It's something that therapists could do very easily right in their practice. And uh, it's, you know, it's something I use in my practice. And, um, you know, of course, if someone's just using it on their own, they might just use one or another pieces of it. Um, but uh, that's the technique. Jen, what do you think? That's really cool. Um, I can imagine it would be important, like you said, to really go back and make sure that you revisit the scene to make sure you got, like, all of the aspects. Like you said, what did it smell like? What did it feel like? What, like, what temperature would you hear? You know, like, go with all the senses. Would that be helpful to, like, go back and check in to make sure you got all the senses? Yeah, absolutely. It's good that you go back in because that will really tell you if you've gotten it all. You know, one way of, you could say, of defining if a memory has processed is you, know, you just ask the question, when you think about that, do you feel any emotional charge to it, you know? Um, or I might say, think about it and scan your body. Is there any part of your body that's tense when you're thinking about it? Those are some questions that will help trigger if there's something that's, that's unresolved from it. You know, a, a, a memory that's been really processed is one that um, when we think about it, it's just kind of like watching a movie. Now, you know, we may always think about the maybe we lost our, are a dear friend or a parent. And, you know, when we think about them, we might feel a sense of sadness or missing them, but that's not really a memory from the past. That's a current emotional experience based on wishing you could still see them, wishing you could still give them a hug. You know, that's not really a, uh, a past memory with a charge. But if when you think about it, you're crying and sobbing and inconsolable and, or just depressed and angry, that means that you haven't really processed it. There's there's more to process there. So, you know, with that, if somebody says, you know, they have a trauma happen and they do this, but that thing still keeps coming back and haunting them, then what would be the next step? Like, say they thought they processed it. What would be the next way to go? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes, you know, what people think is the big problem isn't the big problem. So if you're 
you know, if you're going back, I mean, there's several answers. One is, you know, there there is some percentage of people that I've done this with and nothing happens. And for those people, you know, it's usually that there's just something else going on and that this isn't, this isn't the real issue, you know, and that people have a lot of real issues that aren't, aren't about a specific traumatic memory. You know, a person could have, you know, built up a whole belief system of self-esteem issues or anxiety or something like that, and it's not coming from any one particular, um, any one particular memory. So if you try this and nothing happens, that means that's not the memory. Either there's another memory or it could just be more of a global issue, you know, that has to do with their personality structure. Um, and sometimes it's biological. Sometimes it's their neurotransmitters are out of whack or they're, they're allergic to something or their, their, their gut's out of whack and it's causing, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, things like that that are not of psychological origin. So we have to remember, um, so even there, of course, with Young Living, we have all our oils, which help to bring people into balance, and the nutritionals as well. So, you know, this is a good first step. It's a first obvious step if there are specific night- nightmares it seems to work especially well with, if there's a specific nightmare, because that's almost like in its purest form, you know, a, a an intrusive memory. Um, but, um, you know, beyond that, you may need to address some things on the um, physiological level as well. Okay, very, very good. And you, did you want to make mention quick about um, Gary Young's circle work? For I know it's going to be challenging for you to go really into it because we're just doing an audio here, but um, I've heard Gary do it twice in sessions. Um, do you want to explain a little bit what that is and then, you know, people can – Hopefully, we can either do a webinar sometime with it, or you can do a webinar with it sometimes to really teach people what sure. that is. <clears throat> yeah, so this is, um, it was last, so I guess about a year and a half ago, April, I think, we saw we saw Gary down in New Jersey, and he came out with this mind mapping procedure that, you know, um, that he had developed over, because he's been involved in personal growth for many, many years from many angles, and he um you know, was able to develop a technique that lets you actually unwind patterns that have gotten stored in your DNA. And this could be stuff that got stored in your DNA from your own life or even from ancestors' lives. Um, and there's even some things that are stored in our, you know, our, our human DNA, you know, as a, as a tribal DNA. Uh, but some of these might include um, beliefs that really don't serve us. So um, what he did is he he uses a specific kind of mind map and uh, where you start with, you identify kind of what a main issue is. And um, so, for instance, when I teach this, I use the example of, say, a person, uh, they might put their main issue, I can't lose weight. Like they've been trying to lose weight, trying to drop the pounds. It's not working. So they might put that in the center. And then what you do is you um, you ask yourself, to you, you put any thoughts, feelings, or memories that might be related to it at all. So for instance, I'll just use this example. Um, I can't lose weight. So she draws the first circle off it and it says, um, I don't know how to plan meals. And then connected to that, trouble staying focused. And, tr- and then connected with that, feeling overwhelmed. And so what you do by you, you're mapping it out, you're kind of finding what are the hidden sources of this issue. In this case, overwhelm actually was related to not being able to lose weight because she can't do the home food prep that might be necessary for her body to function well. So then overwhelm can become something we can erase and we can we can deal with with this process. And then on and on. So uh, she might go back through and find out that there's loneliness there, that there's a, a memory, a, one, you know, a bad memory of being embarrassed as a child uh, or a fear of starvation. So there may be several kind of roots to this. Once the person has identified um, the root, then um, uh, we just use a process, you know, with our Valor oil. Uh, Valor's good, you know, in any emotional processing session because, you know, it kind of helps ground us, keeps us in our bodies, stops us from just flying off into space like we tend to do. Um, and then we might use clarity oil or present time to help us get clear because as we're processing emotionally, we tend to, um, things get cloudy and we all of a sudden can't remember things that we need to. And then you do that and actually start the mind mapping. 
Uh, we put on some soft music to help people get into the alpha state so that they can uh, start. And it was amazing. I mean, when I was in Japan teaching this, you know, um, we had, you know, 800 people in the room in Tokyo, and everybody was sitting there, and they were mapping out their emotions, and there were tears, and there was, um, you know, people were really getting into it. And um, and then you'd be amazed, like you might think that there's nothing's going to come up, but, you know, there was nobody that had a blank piece of paper. Everybody was finding, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 circles were popping up, and it, it kind of, it's really neat. You have to try it of all the stuff you learn about yourself. It's kind of a self-exploratory process. So, uh, and then you color in, you know, Gary Young taught us that if you use color, it amplifies the emotion. So if you're, um, you'll have the, um, the colored pencils and we'll color in the circles. And as we color it in, it kind of makes it more alive. And that's what was interesting to me when I was first experiencing this work um, at that seminar with Gary, I was, um, uh, I had my circles there, and you know, I wasn't really emotionally that connected to it. I kind of had, I could see what it was, but as soon as I started putting the color to it, I started feeling it more in my body, and my emotions started welling up, and I thought that was just a really important piece. So, um, and then he teaches us, we take our pencils, <clears throat> well, we, we smell the release oil, we, rub, we put it on our hand, put it on the liver, the liver is where we store anger especially, but almost all negative emotions, he says, starts in the liver and then it goes out to other organs and comes back. So we're smelling the release oil and then we start making counterclockwise circles and we're actually um, circling in and um, filling in these circles. And as we do it, we're smelling the oil and just we're feeling the, the feeling connected with it. And I would tell people, um, you know, I want to see some broken pencils. You, know, you might, you, you, your hand just kind of gets a, a life of its own and you might even you know, scratch through the, the pad all the way through or break your pencil. In fact, I, um, you know, I, one, of the, one of the ladies in Tokyo, she broke her pencil. And so, um, you know, I gave her a little prize for that because I wanted to see really people to get into <laughs> it. And, uh, and it was funny, you know, I don't speak any Japanese really. And, and, and uh, many of them didn't speak any English. I saw her at convention this past year. She didn't know how to how to say anything to me, and I didn't know how to say anything to her. But she held up a pencil, and she was making an indication of break. And finally, I connected that she was the lady who had broken her pencil. So you really get into it is the important thing. And the more powerful you feel it, the more powerful it is. And it's really uh, a, a sense of purging, and you can feel it in the room. The room just feels, you know, like there's energy moving through it. And um, Gary says, you might want to say something like, I lovingly release and let go all things that no longer serve me in a positive and progressive way. I lovingly release and let go all things that no longer serve me in a positive and progressive way. And as you say that, you're just letting go. You're just dumping the garbage, just letting it all go. And um, once you've done that, take a breath. And usually people just are feeling better already by that point. Um, but we do some gathering or present time oil to kind of get back into the present moment. And this time we do a new mind map, a simpler one. Just putting, we want to, once we've taken the pro old programming out, the old garbage out, we want to put in some new programming. This is our chance to kind of rewrite our life in the way that we want it. So um, uh, you smell gratitude or harmony oil, um, and you just write the things that you want in there, color the circles. And then um, I suggest we use transformation oil, um, and that works really well. You know, so transformation is kind of moves us into a space of change and accepting new things. So, and this time we we um, use our um, circles in a clockwise direction, and we smell our transformation oil, and we circle them in clockwise until they're all all circled in. And, and Gary says that this actually the clockwise, which we know from about um, using the clockwise circling onto the oils, it, it gets them moving in the right direction. He says that that's actually the direction that writes things onto the DNA. So we've just been removing the stuff we didn't want, and then we put on the stuff that we do want. And it's just amazing. Everyone just feels so so free afterwards and, and really light. And um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, that's, that's the mind mapping. And that's what I taught the second time I was in Japan. And uh, I've taught that here and, and uh, done it myself different times. It's just um, 
Uh, it's a fun thing to even do with your family. You can, or you can have a group of friends get together once a week or once once a month and just kind of do this mind mapping process to get the get the junk out and get the new things in. Mm, that's fantastic. You know, when it's, I'm so glad you went through the outline because I know many of us here have been there, you know, and had heard Gary teaching it or whatever, but it's hard to write it down while you're doing it. So, so yeah. I mean, actually, as you're, as you're saying this, I'm taking notes because I'm like, I know I've done it, but I'm like, I can't even remember the process because I was doing it. So I'm, I'm really glad that you actually went through it because I can now like go back and do that again. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I told Gary afterwards, I, I, I as soon as it was done, I felt inspired and I said, I'm going to write, I'm going to write this stuff up because you know how he is. He comes in like a freight train with all this stuff going on. <laughs> he can't remember half of it. And, you know, but I felt really called to, to grab that and, uh, and put it in I, my mind, I think is a little more linear than his, you know, so I, I like to take things, you know, and put it in more of like a sequence that makes it easier to teach. So, um, yeah, we could do it. We could even do it on a on a webinar sometime. Have everyone get the feelings kit. I I I made some modifications. There's a bunch of different oils you could use at each step, but I I've, I've kind of modified it so that you could use the feelings kit. If you have the feelings kit plus transformation oil, you can do this technique. So mm. get that, and you know, you could lead them through it. Um, yeah, that kit is one of my favorites and it's often not the one the first one that people get <laughs> you know yeah. but uh you know people are like oh yeah my emotions you know I think out of the course of 14 years I've sold the feelings kit maybe to three people that was their first thing that they ever got but right. those are yeah. people that are really in charge of what they they know their junk is in their trunk right you know it's just yeah. funny but um it's going to be awesome even with the new kits that we have you know we're all eagerly anticipating their the full release of um and how those are going to play in with this as well because i think that Absolutely. reconnect kit is dynamic it's just amazing yeah yeah there's some great new stuff in there that we're just going to you know develop some protocols and and just uh, play with and really really get some good stuff out of mm. wow this was really awesome stuff dr ben now do you um, want to cover, let's switch gears for a second, because normally you know, I felt like this topic was so important to him, even though normally we do the Monday Night Call is business in, in all different types of guests. And, but I felt this was so important because our junk is what holds us back, you know, and they, we always say your income follows your personal growth. And if you can't grow your business or you're stuck somewhere, it's your junk. It's this stuff that's holding you back. But on, on a flip side of that, let's go into business for a second um, I know you guys built your class, your business through, you know, home classes and, you know, some clients came along, but how, for those that are professionals that are listening or people working with professionals, how do you integrate this in your practice without crossing that doctor patient relationship? You know, that boundary is a little muddy sometimes and how do you keep that clear and not, you know, cross any lines? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I get asked that question a lot. And, um, you know, for me, I mean, I've always been into holistic health and I've always been into, you know, taking charge of, of your health and, and that and education. And so when we started with Young Living, it was, it was just that it was, we were having you know, classes and workshops and people would come and learn and get things for themselves and try it, you know? And then when I started, once I saw the benefit, you know, it wasn't long before I was working with clients and seeing that, you know, they might have a benefit. So there's a few things I do. I mean, one is, um, you know, I don't, I mean, people can see, I have the oils on my desk and I have, you know, books behind me and it's obvious that I'm a holistic guy when they come in, even if they didn't know that before then. And it's obvious that I have these oils, you know, but there's some people that I never bring them out with because that's just not what they're there for. And I can just, you know, there's not that opening, but then there's those people, you know, whether it's, okay, here's a traumatic memory that, you know, we really need to process. That's when I, explain about the oils and I give them an oils experience. Uh, maybe I use it in a session um, or I might, um, you know, give them a little sample of something to take home and see if it'll help them with sleep or something like that. But really the most important thing I do, because, if, you know, the, number one, the time is limited in the session. I can't, you know, I'm there with them 45 minutes or an hour. 
I don't want to be spending that time, you know, going over the catalog and choosing products and everything. I, I don't think that's a good use of the time. And I really, as I like to as quickly as possible, invite people to a class. So my wife and I, whenever we have classes, you know, we always make sure I have a, you know, a stack of the flyers right in my office. And I'll just, I'll give them to people, you know, maybe, um, maybe I just did a trauma release technique with someone. I might pick up a, a flyer, say, oh, you know, my wife and I were doing a class next Tuesday. Even if it's not about emotions, it might be on, you know, uh, getting rid of toxic cleaners. But, hey, you know, this is, you know, we teach about the oils there, and you're really going to learn a lot more in that way. And that, for me, has been the key. As quickly as, as, quickly as there's any interest, I, I shift people over into our classes. And then that really changes the dynamic of the relationship because I don't want it to be me, the doctor, prescribing this thing that people could think of as a medication or something. That's not what it's about. It's about really educating people you know, to make choices for their health. So I just, my answer to that is, you know, as quickly as possible, just get them into this other other setting, other environment. And uh, I've just, I've honestly never had a problem. You know, people, they know that it's a different setting, different situation, and a number of them have chosen to become involved and are involved to this day with the oils. Others, you know, they got what they needed and then, you know, moved on. Uh, yes, because that's always the burning question. And I know, I, I'm sure you've heard it amongst your peers, and I've heard it too, where people are like, well, I don't want to cross that boundary, and I don't, you know, la, la, la. And I'm like, you know, I know there's definitely a way you can do it. And you guys have done it successfully, and I know many other practitioners are also doing it. But that leaves great insight for many people as how to handle this or you know, they could suggest that to professionals that are, you know, interested in coming into the business aspect of it because, you know, as we all know, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, they're always looking for additional secure income. And if somebody's got a practice and they can also, you know, want to grow this, they can have that little bounty coming in every month to assist them in their financial needs, right? Sure. So. And, then it, and in a way, you know, to take it a step further, it almost starts to feel like malpractice. If I'm not going to mention something that I really think might help them and I'm holding back on it, you know, that doesn't seem right either. So, you know, we kind of have an obligation to, to give our very best. And, you know, obviously it's up to each practitioner to have integrity about that, you know, but, um, you know, when you, when in your professional judgment, you think they could really benefit from this, then find a way to invite them. Yes. Wow. That was great. Well, Thank you so much. This call was incredible. And I know without a doubt people are going to want to listen to this over and over and over because this is one of those things people are going to – well, Eric, I can already tell you myself I'm going to listen to because I I was writing seriously, but there's a couple of things I need to go and, and go back in and refill some of the little blanks that I had as you were speaking. So I didn't ask as many questions as I normally do because I was really dialed into what you were saying, Dr. Ben, so it's awesome. But uh, thank you so yeah, much for I'll, coming up. Sure, and okay. also, if people, I'll give you my email address. If people want to get on my email list or, you know, um, anything like that, if that'd be all right. Oh, sure, yes. Yep, so just it's just B Perkus, so that's B-P-E-R-K-U-S at Yahoo. And, uh, you know, if you want to email me and just ask, you know, if you want to be on the list for maybe, say, when I'm doing a class or a webinar or, you know, people have asked me, is this stuff available? You know, do you have any DVDs or downloadable things? You know, I have a bunch of stuff on my computer to my class we've taught, and I just I haven't haven't put it in a form that is accessible. But once I do that, you know, I can certainly let people know. Mm. Yes, and you also your website is uh, Doctor Dr. Just Dr. Perkus dot com is your website. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's my practice website. That's the information on. I practice, and people can also fill out the form and leave it, ask a question there. Um, yep. Do you do distance work? I do. Yeah, yeah. I'll do. Okay. I do Skype sessions frequently. That's a you know that's a good way or, or phone. Um, you know, and if it's with somebody who uh, is already into the oils, you know, they might. I might just have say you know, have your oil handy, and you know we will. You know, we'll talk about whatever, and you know, if I if I get that there's something that an oil they might need or how they might need to apply it, they can do it right then and there. Or sometimes people will want a consult to help kind of ferret out, you know, which part of this might be psychologically based and and which part might be something they need to go 
you know, and get some more testing done. Okay, perfect. Wow, thank you so much. And uh, is there anything you want to leave people with? We're at the top of the hour, and uh, I am in great gratitude that you came on to share this topic with everybody, and hopefully we get a lot of healing with people and people that they know because of this. Anything you want to leave any, everybody with before we adjourn? Oh, just that, uh, Jen, it's been, a real, it's been a real pleasure being on, and, and um, I just really appreciate all the work you do. And you know, one of the things I love about Young Living is it pulls together the coolest people. You know, we meet the greatest people through Young Living, and everyone has their own little bit to share. So I'm just I'm happy to share mine. Yes, well, I've feelings are the same. <laughs> I totally sometimes I'm in awe of the people that we have around us in this company. And so when we go to events, just make sure everybody you network like crazy because there are amazing people that are amongst you that you're rubbing shoulders with. So cool. Well, yeah. let me open the line so everybody can say goodnight to you. Hang on, Ben. Sweet dreams. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.